everybody. Club W is offering our audience members who are over 21 and live in the U.S. a $20 credit plus free shipping on their first order of four bottles of wine as a new member of Club W. So check it out, clubw.com forward slash Taoist, and get your drink on. That was good. Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Tonight, it's interview time again, as energy healer Richard Gordon joins us for a fascinating discussion of his alternative healing techniques using energy healing, including first-hand stories from Daniele himself about uncanny healing results, normicals, placebos, quantum entanglements, and the most important message of all, that your love is more important than you can imagine. And now... Asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast, begins now. Welcome back everybody, episode 91 of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Normally, I would say sitting across from me is my pal, Daniele Bellelli, but unfortunately, he's 6,054 miles away in many time zones, back in Milan, Italy, for a nice summer vacation. Now, folks, my U.S. friends, our European friends already know that six or eight weeks of vacation in summer, pretty reasonable. They like to spend some time with their family. They like to unwind and forget about working every day of the week. And I think there's something we could really learn from that. I don't think we're put here to hand over every one of our productive hours to some taskmaster. And uh, it's time to uh, time to take some relaxation for ourselves, don't you think? Anyway, uh, a couple things to mention before we get started. First of all, History on Fire, Crazy Horse Part 3 is out. Uh, if you've been listening in, Part 1 was about... Crazy Horse, back when he was sort of a younger guy, had a terrible dick named Curly, and uh, sort of laid the groundwork for his life as a, a youngster growing into manhood. And then part two was more about the kind of what's going on with the Indian Wars at that point in his life. Now part three is here, and it will have incredible moments like, oh, the first meeting with some guy named General Custard. So it's really starting to ramp up with Crazy Horse. An awesome, awesome podcast. I invite everybody to listen to it. I also say, if you have some time, uh, I've made my way up to lovely Lompoc, California to hang out with Donnie and Mike of the Sick Call Podcast. There are a couple of veterans that uh, like to bring veterans' rights issues you know, to the foreground and uh, also things about plant medicines and things like that. And I was fortunate enough to go up and join them, have a chat with those guys. It's a great little discussion, so you might want to check that out as well. So, if we get started... Right after we run through our sponsor trifecta, dun, 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 including Dr. Sarah, hemp bags, the Joe Rogan fanny pack. Uh, my wife just got one of those. She loves it because it makes airport security easy and breezy to get through. And it's a great place to keep her plant medicines organized while she's at home. So all sorts of amazing things. I think you could even put some bat shark repellent in there if you're on your way to the beach this summer. On it. What can we say? Alpha brain. 
amazing workout maces that I think are super cool. Super superfood powder to get you nutrition up the stuff. I mean, all things human optimization. What more could you hope for? And then, of course, our pals at Sure Design. Lots of funky, cool designs. Uh, Ganesh's, Buddha's, crazy MC Hammer-like pants that I, I think have passed me by. But who knows? You youngsters might dig it. So what more could you want? The folks that help keep us going and uh, are kind enough to bring this show to you. So anyway, uh, in a moment, we'll go to the other side of the music. And we'll have our nice chat with Richard Gordon. And we'll see you on the flip side. So here we go. interview time today with Mr. Richard Gordon. Richard, thank you for being here. Daniele, it's such a treat to be here. I've Abs- been a fan for quite a while and it's just a treat to see you here and, and meet Rich. Howdy. Howdy. Well, that's why, in fact, I'll, I'll deliver a longer than usual introduction for you in terms of, you know, letting people know where you're coming from and everything else. I want then, you know, you tell it in your own words, sure. but I'll tell my side of the story of like, already, I don't know how long ago was it, a year ago, something Maybe like a that. a little more than that. A year and a half, yeah. Yeah, something that. like that, yeah. that you reached out, sent emails, we went back and forth a little bit, and, you know, you sounded like a very interesting character you had you know you, plus anybody who appreciates well, com- the one you were like that crazy guy keeps calling me no not that oh, one okay. <laughs> okay. I'm no, sorry. The, anybody who appreciates Tom Robbins wins points right away and so I was like he sounds cool and you know you are local in the area I'm like yeah let's meet up let's chat and it was interesting because some of the stuff that you do you know, you gave me your books and initially I had zero time to read them because I was still, I mean, still to this day, I think in the last two years, I read probably two books, yours being one of them, that were not related to research for History on Fire as being just research, research, research. So if somebody gives me a book, it's like, haha, yeah, that's a funny joke, right? Like, I'm going to get to have a chance to read it. I like to, but that's not happening. And then over time, I guess what has become interesting is that starting to see the evidence, the results on some of the practices that you engage in. Um, One of the problems that we have discussed anytime we met that sometimes you have in trying to communicate your ideas is that anytime you open your mouth and you try to say, this is what we do, you immediately, like in 0.3 seconds, half of the people go, oh, crazy new age shit forget it you know it's like some weird crazy new age crap that's like whatever okay next and the reality is that's really not what's going on but of course there are problems with language so i'll let you districate yourself language wise in trying to explain what is that you do and what is that you've been uh, writing your books about and then we'll go back to the the actual experience of it in essence i would say that what I do is I remove the woo from energy healing. Uh-huh. I take out all the woo-woo stuff, the attunements, the symbols, the rituals, the special magic beads and crystals that you have, and I've found some very powerful direct ways 
that people can use something as simple and breathing and body awareness. Breathing and body awareness to lift up your own energy field. And then you create this field between your hands. You sandwich the places on another person's body that are experiencing pain or difficulty. And you continue breathing and continue feeling the body awareness. And interestingly enough, it's not that dissimilar to what Wim Hof has been teaching, mm-hmm. except that it's used for an entirely different purpose. Because mm-hmm. it's still trying to affect the body through breathing and essentially through energy, yes. uh, which is what, uh, for those of you guys who have lived <clears throat> under the rock and you don't know about Wim Hof, Wim Hof... Yeah, I wasn't going to ask, but for the other people, uh, yeah. Wim <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is... Uh, we all like him, right? Because, you know, he was on Rogan's podcast, he was on Tim Ferriss' podcast, you know, the crazy Dutchman who can climb up to Mount Everest with no oxygen and in the, and this is the best part in his shorts because you know the Iceman story like he built these old crates techniques that sound completely insane because it's like how the hell are you gonna do that except that he doesn't so you got to respect the results but yeah he has this insane level of resistance to cold to heat to stuff that looks downright superhuman in a way and the way that those of you guys who have heard uh, Wim Hof's podcasts, the, his appearances on them, the way he explained it is, a, you know, 95% of his whole gig is about breathing. Yeah. And that's what it's about. It's breathing techniques. And so the fact that you can, through breathing, do stuff, replicable stuff, because again, all yeah. of this Wim Hof's thing is stuff that, you know, he has proven time and time and time again, not just him, but teaching it to other people. So it's like, got a lot of people excited because it looks like Jedi stuff. You know, you acquire these superpowers where you can do things that don't seem possible. And yet, and yet he does. And, you know, Wim Hof is a cool guy. He's all about, you know, when they, people expect this mystic on the mountain and he's all about, you know, playing his guitar and drinking beer and whatever. And then he does his techniques. And so clearly... You know, he's an awesome guy. And in that sense, it makes it slightly easier, at least for a podcast audience, to bring you on board to talk about some of the stuff you do because there's a bit of a precedent there of somebody who does talk about using breathing to achieve something that may seem downright impossible. Well, breathing, I mean, talking from a person who just three weeks ago finally got the right CPAP machine for the first time in five years, um, I haven't slept through the night in probably a half a decade. Up every three hours, sitting up to breathe, and they gave me like the big fighter pilot mask, which looked cool, but um, the tiny little nose thing is what I needed all along. And for the past six nights that I've slept, didn't move for seven hours. Hmm. Woke up and didn't have those bags under my eyes, wow. and Feels my life that. has shifted, man. Yeah, I, mean, I can't wait to see what a year this is going to do. Yep. So breathing, I'm betting, is the key to it all. It's a big piece of it, but there's actually more. Sweet. You know, Wim Hof has set, I think, 25 world records. He sat in an ice bath for two hours, ran a marathon in the hottest desert of the world, and on and on. But what he has shown is that through his breathing and body awareness work that he does, he's able to affect his own physiology in Mm -hmm. amazing ways. What I'm bringing forth is the next step, and the next step is that you can affect somebody else's physiology. And that's where, you know, the obvious, at this point is where all the question marks pop up. It's like, how, how is that gonna happen? You know, and that's, and the fact is, you know, 
purely speaking from my end of the experience, I have no idea how, you know, you probably have a sense of the how, I clearly don't. And honestly, I don't even care about the how. I'm just like, I care about stuff that works. I don't care about why it works, how it works. That's completely secondary to me. I'm like, I want to get the job done. And in this case, so if I may go on a mild tangent for that's my good. experience with some of your stuff because again you know i hear your stuff and initially the fact was you know i liked you nice guy I, you're a good person and so i'm like oh i can meet this guy we can chat we can it's great you know it's not like oh i don't like this no good person so we can chat but that doesn't mean i know for sure that the stuff you're telling me works i mean it sounds cool but how the hell do i know right it's like well i mean how many times i've heard uh, three gazillion people promising the moon if you do this technique, blah, 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 you can do this. And, you know, how many times do you see stuff like that? And uh, anytime somebody promises something other than the more orthodox path, the problem is 90 plus percent of the time will be charlatans, really. Will be people who, I mean, I always get a kick, like you see all the martial art videos of the guys who are like, I'm just going to use my chi to block your punch. And then they regularly get pummeled into some, it's painful to watch. You know, you <laughs> see these guys who are clearly believe their own shit and they have only done it with other people who led them essentially because they are in this kind of cultish mentality. But the first time they actually set it up with somebody who is not on board, all hell break loose, right? And so you're like, it, it gives my reputation, my field a bad name. It gives your field a very bad name because you yes. know you see this case time and time and time right. and time again. And then once you see that don't work, are so many, it's so much more out there than anybody who can actually do something. So obviously, initially, is like, again, I am of the school of thought. I don't believe anything. I don't disbelieve anything. I'm like, let's see, you know? I have no reason to believe or disbelieve. Let's just go play. That's the position of the open-minded skeptic. Mm -hmm. So when Galileo is showing off his telescope, many of them, the priests, would say, well, that makes no sense. There's no need to look through it. Some of them said, well, it works great during the day, but it obviously doesn't work at night. Well, that's because they were looking at serving wenches <laughs> down in the bed, not looking up at the sky. Ah. And others said, well... What's the principle of optics? How do I get one of these? Tell me what's going on. Let's right. take a look some more. And they're willing to get their hands dirty and explore it. Anybody willing to explore this is going to have the kinds of experiences that you've had. Right. And that's where it gets a little weird because, you know, in these cases where I'm like, cool, let's play, you know, let's try. What do I got to lose? Nothing, really. And uh, we hang out. You're nice. So let's play. And I remember one of the... I don't remember if it was the first time we tried this, but one of the first for sure, that where it was such a in-your-face dramatic kind of result. Uh, being a nasty grappler who were all on disgusting mats with sweaty men, you always end up, like every so many years, you end up catching some crazy shit, ringworm or stuff infection or nasty things that if people were only cleaner, it wouldn't happen, but sadly that's not the case. So in this case, I had a really annoying staph infection that just wouldn't go away. And they put me on the medication for it, and uh, it's supposed to have taken effect in about a week to 10 days. It's now two weeks in, and it's not really having an effect yet. Now, it can still have an effect, but it, it hasn't so far. 
So you're surprised you still had a leg at that point. Yeah, and it was, even more, it was on my face. It oh, was like shit. really fucking annoying. It was like lower neck face. It was really pretty bad, right? I couldn't train forever. A nice spot for some like, antibiotic resistant staff. Yeah, not just what you want, right? <laughs> and it was nasty on so many levels. And so he said, uh, okay, man, I'm desperate. Nothing is working. This sucks. Can you try? Let's see what happens. We try. Now, if the result was that two days later I start seeing some change, well, you know, in the meantime, the medicine may have taken effect and it's a good coincidence and it's hard to prove either way, right? But here is what happened. Before we start, we are about to start and Richard goes, wait, 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 let me take a picture real quick. Let's just take a look at how it looks, you know, let's have it as a reference. Picture taken. Do our thing, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I forgot what it was, not that long. Take picture number two and the color has changed completely and the size is half. And I'm like, okay, man, you got my attention. <laughs> Let's talk. Let's continue this conversation because this is, you know, again, it's, there are things where you don't know, you know, could be a coincidence, could be not. In that case, it was dramatic enough and quick and like the time frame mm -hmm. was so quick that it's like, okay, there's, that's a clear cause and effect here that's going on. And then, you know, I'll go into some more, but it happened other times of fairly dramatic stuff along these lines so that's where you definitely got my attention aside for the personal pleasantries of uh, you're sure. a nice person but also okay there's something to what you're doing that is interesting here sounds like witchcraft uh, yeah well I'll, uh, witchcraft well, is thankfully all... they don't burn people for this anymore yeah that would ruin your day i Wait bet ted cruz becomes <laughs> well it's not Maybe too likely past. today <laughs> yeah <laughs> not too likely but yeah, and that's kind of the thing you've been saying all along was, oh, the results, this and that, it's stuff that happens and so on. And again, you know, words, they're nice, but everybody's got words. The problem is when you see it in experience and uh, oh shit moment comes in where you go, oh, there's something going on here. So now that we have thrown my side of the experience for how it, you hook me in, Please do tell how you started into it, what caught your attention okay. initially, and kind of let's go back it was to your story. In about 1975, mm -hmm. it dates me a little bit, um, I started studying holistic healing. I went to a school in New Mexico that was teaching workshops. Uh, actually, it was a long course, and in, the, in that course, I learned something called polarity therapy. I got really excited about it. I wrote a book on it that's in 11 languages. It's still in print called Your Healing Hands, The Polarity Experience. And a few months before that book was to come out, I was invited to a workshop by a man named Robert Rasmussen. He's this big, obese, blasé, bored-looking 50-year-old man, and he was telling these insane stories. I, my skepticism was on high alert. He was talking about... Well, there was the time I dissolved a tumor the size of a grapefruit in an hour, and then there was the time that I dissolved kidney stones, and then there was right, the time like, the broken bone. And, right. he, and, and he said, oh, yeah, I just touched people, and the bones moved back into alignment with a light touch. And I'm thinking, okay, this is total madness. Of course. So my girlfriend comes up to the front of the room, and we're looking at her scoliosis, and she has a major scoliosis. And he says, well, I touched the occipital ridge, and it just rolled back into alignment. And then he touched her hips. And just like a hot knife through butter, the hips just rolled right back into alignment. And then he went put his fingers up and down her spine a few times over a few minutes. And you could see about a 40, 50% obvious change in her spine. 
And he goes, well, that's how I do it. Well, I was completely blown away. And in the course of that day, I learned that I could do it too. Hmm. This was the first workshop he had ever taught anybody. He was self-taught. He had been doing it for 20 years. He had a waiting list a year long of people who wanted to get sessions from him. And the first time he worked on me, uh, I was sitting facing a windowsill. And this, this will sound crazy, but I've seen this happen at least 15 times now. And he put his thumbs on the base of my skull, the occipital ridge, and I'm just looking out at the window and thinking nothing. And then all of a sudden, I feel my head change and the windowsill tipped sideways at a, at a s- pretty significant angle, maybe 30 degrees or something, or 20 degrees. And I was like, what? I blinked my eyes, and then the windowsill was level. I apprenticed with him, took over in his retirement, evolved his work so radically that people who study with him hardly even recognize it anymore. But I gave it a name and I called it Quantum Touch because in order for this life force energy, this chi, this ki, prana, whatever word you use, I don't care, I just like to call it life force, you can raise this energy, sandwich the parts that are hurting, and see demonstrative results about 80 to 90% of the time which really compares favorably to placebos. And now my Quantum Touch books in 17 languages, we've got practitioners in over 50 countries around the world, uh, practitioners all about. And I just came back from Macau, China, Hong Kong, and Tokyo. I, I gave a keynote at the University of Macau. They are so excited there. I taught a workshop with about 240 people there. This thing is amazing. But because it's been so far outside the box, Sure. It's so easy for me to sound like a crackpot. Yeah, that's a fact. Because, I mean, that's the problem is that when you, anything you say is like, that sounds great. It's still the same shit that everybody who's fake says. And they believe their shit, except it doesn't work and it's crap. And so that's the problem of the language. That's where the language comes in. The problem of it is that, and that's where to me, in fact, I don't, you know, the language is interesting just to kind of get the, okay, so-and-so claim, whatever. And I do this not just with you, with anybody, you know. You hear all the time people who claim things in every field possible, from uh, I can get this movie done tomorrow, to I can heal you in three seconds, I can do this martial art technique that will blow your mind. I can, you know, everybody has an I can story. And again, my approach is neither yes or no. It's like, show me, you know. Show me if you can. Great, you know. It's let's talk. Until then, that's why after a while, words run short. You know, words should only be to get you to actually look in the telescope, to use your Galileo metaphor. But that ultimately, that's what it's about. It's just look and see the results. And sometimes, you know, sometimes stuff doesn't work for me. But maybe I see it seems to work for other people. And I don't need to know. I don't need to, don't need to establish the absolute truth of this works or doesn't. It's not working for me. So I don't care. You know, maybe it works for somebody else. Good for them. It's not my thing. So I'm done. You know, I don't need to look any further. I'm lucky now. I get to go look through the Mount Wilson 1.5 meter telescope Ooh. next weekend, which I cannot wait. Sounds fun. Um, so looking through the telescope, you're using the, the word quantum. Yes. And I wonder that life force energy, because I'm very much, I understand that we are nothing but hollow space and the tiniest amount of, of, of energy vibrating away. Is that the energy that, that you're talking about? Or is there a, a physics it's, connection to it at all? It's just a theoretical way of saying it. But 
since we're 99.9999999.73 percent empty space, yeah. Um, I believe that what we're doing is we're actually working through a quantum or subatomic level, and then it works its way up through the tissue. But a sense. lot of people wanted to know, how do I know this is not a placebo? How do I know it's not a psychological mechanism? Well, we see it working on infants, on animals, people under general anesthesia, on plants, with shifting fluids, and, and occasionally even on minerals. And so, for instance, a nurse anesthesiologist was seen occasionally a patient where the blood oxygen level, they called it blood gas levels, were crashing severely. So she, on the first time this happened, and she had known how to do the work, she walks over to the patient, she puts her hands on the patient, and within two minutes, the blood gas level goes up into the mid-upper 90s. Well, that's good. So she starts walking away and notice that it's starting to crash again. She goes, oops, comes back, puts her hands on, goes right back up, and she stays there 20 minutes. Now it's stabilized. And so the doctors, every time they see it, say, okay, Joanne, you know, it's your turn. And so she walks over, brings the blood gas levels up. Well, when you're under general anesthesia, you do not respond to psychological mechanisms like placebos. And one uh, nurse friend of mine, she works with infants and helping to reshape right. their heads. And in one occasion, the head was so badly misshapen they said, we're going to have to prep this baby for surgery because the plates are overlapping. And in the hour and a quarter they were taking to get everything prepared and such, she's just holding the baby, working the energy, doing that deep breathing and the body awareness exercises that we teach. And the baby did not need surgery. And we've seen so many examples of people working with their animals, with a wide range of situations that I have no doubt this is not due to a psychological mechanism. Yeah, there were a couple of, I guess those are, because you did stuff for me probably six or seven times, and it mm -hmm. always worked, but at least four of those times, there was no way to tell for sure, right. because they it could have been a coincidence, you know, there was no. Sure. But beside the stuff one, I remember distinctly two times where it wasn't even about me. Like in one case was Isabella with this crazy high fever. Oh, that and, you was know, one, usually yeah. when kids have a really high fever, <clears throat> In many cases, you know, you caught a bug, it lasts a week, you have to deal with it, right? And uh, whereas, uh, you know, other things, like you are, sometimes you're like, oh, let's see how long it takes, I'm not so mm -hmm. sure. In that one, you are like, two hours, she'll be fine. And I'm like, really? Because it's not even close to fine right now. And she's like, no, I mean, it's going to take a little bit, but two hours, her temperature is going to drop dramatically, it's going to be a lot better. I think so I on. said tomorrow morning. No, because right. oh, I think he's like I think you said tomorrow morning she'll be fine. But I like said she probably two feel hours better. will be a lot better. And I was like, two yeah. hours later is not a lot better. And I'm like, yeah. motherfucker, you see? And he's like, two hours and forty five minutes. She's a lot better. And I was like, and you know, there's no placebo there. She didn't know what right. was going on. She didn't know any of that. The other one was um, Savannah in jujitsu competition. She had injured her shoulder. And uh, two months later, it's not getting better. It's actually getting worse to the point that she can't train. She's holding off training and she has another competition in a few days. And we're like, you can't really compete like that. You know, if the injury is getting where you can't train, that's pretty bad. And that one, you were pretty conservative because you said, look, shoulders, 
tendon injury, depending how deep the damage is, it may not, I mean, it's gonna help her, it's gonna get better, but it may not be the 100% thing you want. You know, it could take a while and, you know, doesn't hurt, so let's go play with it and see what happens. But how do you have a placebo argument, like with, with the spinal realignment? Are they just, oh, well, those tendons were uh, always really tense and they finally released well, after 14 years or whatever? There's that and the cases where it involves people that don't know they are being treated. Right, the Isabella thing or Savannah herself, who like a day later she goes, Shit, I trained yesterday and it didn't bother me at all and I feel fine. And like, and I was like, Oh shit. And it lasted for at least a good month with no injury. And then she started feeling it a little bit again. You know, she did damage to the shoulder. It's not that she can be 100% overnight. But that was yet another one where I was like, Oh shit, man. Okay, we got something going on here. This, you know, this is what happens to people is. You start seeing it working over and over again, yep. and then you start surrendering to the fact that, oh my God, right. this actually works. <laughs> right. Now, some of my practitioners would have these healing circles on a regular basis, and a lot of people practicing yep. to work would meet together, and they'd bring in one new person every week, and they'd see these miracles happening. And they thought, well, we can't keep calling it a miracle if it happens every week. So they came up with a new word. And they called it a normical. <laughs> normal. <laughs> when when miracles become normal, right. what are you going to call it? Uh, 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 uh. It, no, does, it doesn't make it any uh, less exciting, but it does happen right. so regularly. That's exciting to say the least. Uh, in your experience, though, what are the limitations? You know, we what what is that can be done? What is that can't right. be done? We've seen it help people to die. Mm -hmm. We've seen it help in hospice situations where a person was, I remember a woman invited me to see her dad, and he was suffering very deeply and very cranky. And I taught a whole group of people there at the hospital to work on him together. And he started telling jokes and laughing, and she told me that he lived for another 10 days after that, and that... It was the most rich time she had ever had with her father, and she gave me a full-page ad in her newspaper that I could advertise my work. It was a beautiful gift. Mm -hmm. and, but we see that the body has an extraordinary ability to heal itself, and that's the secret message behind placebos. The body has an extraordinary self-healing mechanism that doesn't get appreciated. But instead of using deception, we're using energy. Mm -hmm. Now... It's not going to work all the time, and I'm always underselling it. Sure. And you I were, think it's better to undersell Well, it. I'm always underselling it, and I say, yeah, 70, 80, 90% of the time we're going to see right. something, but it's not necessarily the full deal. Sure. There are times when you give the energy to somebody and it's not going to work at all, mm -hmm. but then I came up with an entirely secondary system that I call self-created health that teaches people how to find and process out the emotional issues behind the condition. And when they experience that level of, of pain or sadness or rage or whatever it is that's underneath that, not only do their symptoms end up going away, but people feel grateful for having had the condition because it showed them how they had stopped loving, that the body had the ability to be sick as a way of demonstrating emotions that hadn't been fully expressed. So that's, that's a much deeper level of the work. Well, I don't think we've talked about that too much. Right. We actually covered a little bit with the... No, took the, a little, but yeah. Yeah, on the thing on your neck, the yeah, little staph exactly. effects, and exactly. we kind of covered where that was coming from yep. emotionally yep. so that you could confront it more directly. Mm -hmm. That's similar to... Who was our, uh, our bone doctor who... Or was it 
Oh, the um, Dr. Schechter, the, the whole idea, like based on Dr. He, John Sarno's yeah, work. Even this Western of, guy had a right. Western, meta, you know, had a lot to say about a lot of these yep. bad knees and bad backs and all that tension. It's something in your mind you've been carrying, and that's how it expresses itself. I mean, yeah, that has been my whole experience of the last few years, where you know my overall condition have been essentially. It's pretty obvious that I have like one psychosomatic thing after another after another, and it's not that because it comes from emotions it's the effects are not real the symptoms are fucking real and they are oh, annoying yeah. as hell and if you don't figure out our, our way around them you can keep them your whole life well i feel certain that our friends at cedar sinai probably don't celebrate you as the healer you are quite as much as they celebrate their own selves but in what i'm going through in my life right now i feel like they're just throwing a bunch of shitty chemicals and hoping that something sticks well, don't you understand the theory of modern medicine? We try to poison the disease in the hope that the patient, the disease, dies before the patient. That's exactly. What, now we're now we're fighting what the chemicals are doing, and and the additional um, pain that comes from that, while we're trying to keep somebody alive. Well, here's the, here's the secret: they're not side effects; they're direct effects. No doubt. <clears throat> right. Yeah. So I'm guessing from that it's it's as bad as I think it is. It is. It is. And yet, you know, they're fantastic for interventions of you get a, your finger torn off or something like that. They're brilliant at emergency care. Yeah. But in terms of actually accessing self-healing, they're rather clueless. I just met a guy who uh, graduated as an MD from uh, Harvard. He said, I had one hour of nutritional training. <laughs> so the fuel that makes the body go right. every day of your life it gets one hour yeah. now if I was to summarize this I'd say uh, what you eat makes no difference at all now eat these pills yeah yeah, yeah of course yeah. no it's yeah the whole paradigm is sick it's yeah. just flat out sick no doubt there's, mm -hmm. uh, there's stuff there that makes no sense and I mean again as you say there's stuff for which is very good and there's stuff for which is, uh, I mean, even the whole way in which we're dancing around it, like the way we, within the context of medicine, we speak of uh, um, placebo. It's crazy because we use the word placebo like we dismiss it like, oh, it's just placebo, like it doesn't count, basically. It's like, oh, we don't look at that, that's just placebo. But if 25% of the time, with no medicine administered whatsoever, the body figures out a way to heal itself just because it thinks that it has received the medicine. That's not something to sweep under the rug in the always oh, just placebo, it doesn't really count. That's a huge fucking thing. I mean, that's it's insane. It's like it doesn't really fit with a very strict paradigm of uh, you know scientific materialism where everything is just purely matter and it's all about if our minds can create a healing effect in uh, often enough times, like in the 20 to 25% range in a lot of issues, clearly not, you know, some deadly crazy thing, but, you know, more ordinary things, that's a big deal. And that's something that would warrant more exploration, which is exactly what you're doing, because you're saying you're taking sort of that principle of the yes. self-healing mechanism within the body and working with it on a less, on a deeper level that's not just convince you that something is happening, but rather working through energy. And this is the point. The, the hidden message behind the placebo effect is the body has an extraordinary self-healing mechanism that can heal virtually anything at an incredible pace. But why doesn't it do it? Right. Well, I'm suggesting that the energy levels in the body aren't high enough 
to be able to access that. So we access non-verbally without dishonesty and deception of a placebo, which is the real downside of placebos, we access that self-healing mechanism, but we do it energetically. Mm -hmm. And then the body does what it can do. And like I say, 80, 90% of the time, we're going to see some extraordinary results very quickly. And, and by the way, I really think this is not something that everybody's going to want to learn. Why to, wouldn't to, you? Well, the point, the point that I'm saying is, this isn't for everybody as a profession or a thing you oh, want to do sure, all the time. But for five or six days a year, it's the most valuable skill you can have. Right. And it's probably the easiest skill that anybody can learn. I mean, you picked it up just from the book. Mm -hmm. But we also have like an online video course that people can learn it through. We have instructors um, in over 50 countries teaching the work. So it is available for people to learn it. Yeah, and that's... That's the crazy part, uh, the fact that the replicable nature of it, kind of like what we were saying with the Wim Hof thing, is like it's not like, oh, you can do this shit, I'll worship you, master, please grant your gifts. Is Your whole thing is, look, I mean, I'm glad that people think I can do great stuff, but I can teach it to other people and somebody else can do it. It's such an important point. Wim Hof was clear on Tim Ferriss, and mm -hmm. it went right over Tim's head. He didn't hear it at all. But he said, I'm using prana. Mm -hmm. Prana is the Indian word for the life force energy, that the, what the yogis talk about with the life force energy moving through the body. We're able to access this energy and then work on yourself, work on other people, and allow that gift of that prana to do what it wants to do. We like to say the definition of a healer is someone who was sick and got well. Mm -hmm. And a great healer was someone very sick who got well quickly. You don't actually heal anybody else. It looks like that from the outside. But what's actually happening is you're holding an energetic space. You're raising your own vibration higher and higher and higher throughout the session. So you never come down and get drained and tired and feel like I had to suffer for you. You can get off the cross on that one. <laughs> and, but what you do is you... You lift your energy and you continue doing this breathing and body awareness and their body matches your vibration. It's called resonance and entrainment. They entrain to your field of vibration. You keep lifting yourself up throughout the session and then their body intelligence decides how the healing is going to happen. So you may think you're working on a neck pain and right in class a woman's hearing comes back from 30 years when she was a teenager and got hit by a drunk driver. You think you're working on uh, a, a neck, uh, like uh, eyesight, and the sinuses clear out mm -hmm. because it's not necessarily going to what you're thinking about. It's going to what's needed. Mm -hmm. So somebody's working on a migraine headache, and the person feels it in their liver gallbladder. So you chase the pain. That's one of our advanced techniques. Go follow the pain and chase it to another spot. You hold the liver gallbladder, and now the migraine is gone. Well, the acupuncturist in the room says, I know why some headaches are core, you know, st start in the liver gallbladder, but the person doing the session was 12 years old. Mm -hmm. And she didn't know anything about that. Mm -hmm. But she just listened to what the person said and followed directions using this very complicated where does it hurt technique and then chasing the pain. <laughs> right. <laughs> what the... What are the limitations? What is that you know you cannot use it for? We don't I mean? really know. Right. We see. I I was totally shocked when I interviewed a couple of my uh, 
instructors who were talking about mental health issues because mm-hmm. I hadn't really had experiences. They're talking about Alzheimer's, addictions, Parkinson's, traumas, ADD, uh, just a wide, uh, bipolar, a wide range. Of, and I said, well, are you just cherry picking, telling me your favorite stories? They said, of course we are. But, <laughs> but we're surprised when we don't see results. Well, how many sessions are you giving? Well, just as needed, two, three, four, five, whatever is called for. But we continue to see more and more results. And I've heard a lot of stories from people working with Parkinson's and uh, Alzheimer's. And these are very deep, intractable situations that shouldn't be responding to anything. Mm-hmm. And when somebody has a mental condition, you can't even rely on a placebo sure. being effective. But we don't rely on placebos. Right. Yeah, that's trippy because, of course, you know, getting, uh, I guess, of course, some of these things would change based on the severity of uh, where the person's body is, where their energy level is, how dramatic the whole thing is. Because obviously, you know, the uh, 70, 80, 90% success rate will obviously be closer to the 90 plus if you're talking about somebody having a headache. Mm -hmm. And clearly, you know, if somebody's uh, on a stage four cancer, it may be a whole different story. Now, that, but that's where, I think in some way, you know, you are one person, you can try only so many things, the range of experiences you can have in terms of your healing, it is only limited. So of course, in some way, it's an unfair question even to ask you because you cannot know some of these things, you know, right. in terms of how well does it work for this issue? It's like, I don't know, I treated it three times and twice it worked awesome, you know, it's like, and that's a great result, you know, there's no argument. But of course, in these cases, you know, the there are, there are good question marks that exist there. It's an exciting thing. There's 50,000 roughly conditions in the human body. And if millions of dollars were spent researching this stuff instead Mm -hmm. of ignoring it, we'd actually have answers to some of that. Right, of course. I showed this to uh, Dr. Norman Sheely. He was the founding president of the American Holistic Medical Association. And he had me work on all his staff and their pains disappeared immediately. And then he had me work on a woman who was about 92 and her hips were massively uneven and she had major uh, osteoporosis so I didn't want to breathe on her too hard and in a few seconds her hips rolled back into alignment and her doctor was standing measuring her with her jaw open staring and I said Norm are you impressed he said no I said why not he says well he said I don't have to do double blinds on everything, but I have to make the test so rigorous, I can't believe anything but the outcome. And he said, so I've got something set up for you. And what he did was he brought in about six or eight people who all had severe chronic pain. He called these his most difficult chronic pain patients with 20, 30, 40 years of constant pain who had never been helped by any traditional or alternative therapy. And he had tried everything on them already, Mm -hmm. and nothing had worked. So I trained his entire staff and gave him a quick one-hour lesson in how to start doing the work. And we gave group sessions to every one of them. And every person we worked on had between a 30 and 70% reduction of their pain. Now, that's not what impressed him. What impressed him was 10 days later when he called me up, he said, every one of these people is still experiencing the pain relief. But that's not what impressed him the most. What really impressed him even more than that was that he wanted to see if I could affect other people's brain waves at a distance since he had started as a neurologist. So he had me meditate. 
first half an hour, the person's EEG is there and they're laying on a table. Then they don't know they're going to get a distant healing session, by the way. And he's using that as a, a baseline for the brainwave activity. I start meditating, and in the first five minutes, the central brain delta went down to less than a third of what it had been. All his brain waves became so quiet, Norm said, had I only seen this one frame, I might have thought the guy was brain dead. Now, what happened was, in the next uh, 25 minutes, all that, that's what happened at the end, his brain waves got so quiet, and, brain, and Norm Sheely started saying, Richard, you're a world-class healer. I said, Norm, this is a basic human skill. And he said, well, you're either being, you either have the healthiest ego of any healer I've met or the best act. <laughs> and I thought, oh, Norm. So he called me a month later and said, every one of his staff members are able to affect EEG at a distance now. I said, wow, what an extraordinary coincidence. All your staff members are world-class healers. And he said, don't rub it in. So, What kind of distance are you talking about? You have his location. It's irrelevant. I, I was in a room about 20 feet from the patient. But once you're more than, once your hands are not touching or a few inches off, that's distant healing. And I do this demonstration of distant healing all the time now because I'm fascinated with it. It's going to be the subject of a new book I'm working on. And what it is, is I'm doing something that's considered physiologically impossible. Yeah, in Wh fact, you know, uh, now you went into this whole story about distant healing. God damn it, I was doing such a good job at making you sound like, okay, maybe you guys can think this is not complete batshit crazy, you wedge stuff. And now you went into Now, you know, if people are slowly stretching their paradigm of what's possible regarding, oh, energy, breathing, okay, maybe I, yeah, I heard about women, oh, I, I, I can kind of get it. You know, you go into distant healing it's where so it's like, hard. oh, fuck, it's, it's just too insane to forget so it. It's so hard for me to tone down yeah. because I've been doing this stuff for 40 years now and I've been seeing this stuff go on and I don't like to bullshit and say, no, of course. say what isn't true. But here's something very, very simple. Uh, it's in chapter 19 of my last book called uh, Quantum Touch 2.0, The New Human, where I outline about five or six new human abilities. And in chapter 19, I talk, uh, it's called Visible Magic, I call it. And what it is, is if a person has pelvic torsion, it's also called twisted hips, where you measure them and your right hand is often high in the back and your left hand is often uh, high in the, I mean, the right hand is often high in the front. So your right will look high in the back yep. and in the front. So it means the hips are twisted. So... What I do is I meditate for about five or six seconds and I can permanently untwist it. And so I've been doing a whole bunch of experiments recently to find out all the parameters of what's possible. And so my new book, which won't be out for a while, but you can look it up at some point, will be called The Secret Nature of Matter because I'm finding out that matter actually holds consciousness. Well, and I think that becomes the problem is that when you say something like that, Right. Or when you say the fact that essentially space, you know, distance, yes. physical space doesn't matter in a way that it's not an issue that, you know, you can have an impact on a body completely far removed from where you are physically without touching. That's basically saying that the laws of physics, as we currently understand them, are bullshit. And that's clearly claimed that, you know, a lot of human is, beings will have a bit of I a hard can, time to swallow. I can see why that could raise a little skepticism. Yeah, just that. But add. consider in, entangled 
particles mm -hmm. in quantum physics. No, in fact, I got that part. Yeah, the, you That's have one the, of my favorites. The, yeah, you've got these two particles that are vibrating exactly the same. You separate them at the speed of light going to opposite ends of the galaxy or the universe. Yep. They could be 14 billion light years apart. Mm -hmm. If you observe one, the other's instantly changed. They call that spooky action at a distance. Oh, that's what Einstein called it. it was, it's too weird. But it shows that there is something else going on in space that yeah. we don't understand. There's a permanent connection somewhere. There's somehow. a permanent connection. I have replicated what I call conscious entanglement as one of the experiments where I have people meditating on a group of objects like coins and then anything I do to one of the coins happens to all of them. So I can hand coins to a whole bunch of different people and then I can tap one of the coins that's still on the table with a charged object, and instantly all the people are untwisted. This is mind-blowing. It's, it's mind-blowing to me, and I've been at this stuff. But, you know, th the proof is in the pudding. And if you're willing to look through the telescope, as you clearly were, Daniele, mm -hmm. then you, you actually get to see it. But if you're not willing to look, and you make the assumption, and come with the arrogance and say, well, it can't be true, I don't need to look, it's no different than the priests 400 years ago. Right. Now, the quantum entanglement thing is one of my favorite. I mean, there's something huge there yep. that we have not untapped yet. Hey, as far as the, the new powers, is, my brother-in-law has the capacity to piss off an entire room full of people <laughs> almost instantly just by his presence. Is that one of the powers? Uh, yes, I have that in Chapter 35. Biggest, biggest, or no, no asshole as much as, as you know. That blows my mind. When can we come participate in the coin? I want to see that happen. That's oh, amazing. Listen, all we have to do is you were talking about a picnic at some point or some event. Yes. Sure. Um, I'll show it to you anytime you want to see it. It's mind-blowing. I just did another two experiments today. I've done over 50 experiments now, and I have a whole chapter that's coming up on the lawfulness of when this works, when this doesn't work, what causes it to function. For example, just one other little piece that will be in the new book is... I can meditate on water. person touches the water or looks at it, they get permanently untwisted. That's the occiput and the pelvic torsion. But if I boil the water and let it cool, it still works. But the vapor at the top of the pan that evaporated has lost the information. And I test that water, and it doesn't work at all. Wow. Yeah. So I'm discovering the lawfulness of when it works and when it doesn't work. So no distilled water. Well, if you meditate on the distilled water, it could actually work. That's that's amazing. That's a mindfuck yeah. right there. Now, Western medicine seems like we're finally starting to realize the importance of our fauna internally and the thousands of little critters that are each doing their own thing for us. Is the human body its own biosphere? The human body is beyond imagination. The... the Bacteria outnumbers of ten to one. Yeah, there's more to that than, than like bones. And it affects our consciousness, affects our moods, affects all kinds of things we don't even understand yet. But there's an entire other system that's been ignored and criticized. You look at places like Wikipedia, and they will call everything alternative pseudoscience because there's this refusal to consider something that's outside their comfortable box. The things they're comfortable saying are real. And once you step outside of that, you're in no man's land. So it's not just the geologists going, clearly the scarlands of Idaho weren't created by an ice dam breaking once every 200 years for 
it was a massive comet strike that made that happen. And still, they won't they won't buy it. Right, it's the Graham Hancock dilemma, right? Yeah, it's and he's going through it right now. Fact, I just listened to another book that was giving that example for the whole uh, Glacier National Park and, and, and mm -hmm. Boulder National Park. No, no, it's just these This is a, a great example of it. Graham Hancock is on to so many incredible discoveries yeah. that are being pushed aside exactly like this because I don't want to believe it. It can't be true. Therefore, it's not true. It's a rationalization. Do you see they found 8,000-year-old mammoth bones in Florida that had clearly oh. tool marks on them? Oh, yeah. So the whole Clovis thing is going to come roaring back. No. And they were erased. I'm blown away. Sign me up. I'm ready to try. And, and my big question is, I, I, the, the bone alignments and tumors things that make sense to me, how do you treat something that's all over? Are you treating the whole body simultaneously no matter what you do? Or if a, a sort of a leukemia or something immune-related, do you, you focus the, on... Well, you can... The energy follows intent. And that's kind of a big concept. But the point is, is you can work through all the organs, glands, and systems of the body and give it more energy. Then you can wait for the body to tell you what it needs. So if you're working on their liver, on their spleen, on their uh, heart, on their lungs, and the person says, oh, I'm feeling it all in the back of my neck, well, maybe something in the back of the neck needs attention, or maybe something in the head. So you work everywhere when you don't know where, and you let them tell you where it is, because they'll start to feel sensations moving through themselves, and maybe you'll experience the normicals. So how long till we open healing centers all across the world? I mean, I mean you're of... already far at it, but this sounds like something enough that needs, you know, we got 7-Elevens everywhere. Let's, let's put some healing everywhere. Well, let's get the research done. I'm connected with a UCLA researcher, and we want to do a double-blind study soon. And unfortunately, it got postponed for personal reasons on his part. But we're looking to get that done. I'm really hungry to get the double-blind studies done. I'm a big believer in the scientific method. I'm just an outlier who's gone a little bit too far down the road without having people validate uh, the work. So it just it became kind of frustrating, but we keep seeing it working over and over again, so there's no reason it shouldn't continue. Big time, man. No, this is, I want him to also like, you know, the Graham Hancock problems. There's a comet coming, send energy, whatever, apply to whatever, and then we see what works and what doesn't, right? That's well, my... Uh, we don't see it uh, working on changing the physical position of objects. Uh -huh. We see it working through biological systems most clearly. Right. But now... Oh, damn. We're still screwed with the comet. Okay. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. But I am actually discovering that all matter is capable of holding consciousness, but that's going to have to wait till my next book comes out. Yeah, there's already been too many mindfucks today. We can't even go there. It's, uh, it's too much. Real quick, would you do my, your concept of energy? Like, how, you, you talk about this life force. Yeah. Is, is this solar wind blows across the planet and the, the neutrinos are, are all a part of this, you know, it's one giant sort of system? Or do you think just as this planet with the life everywhere on it, is it sort of like a force thing or? Well, consider. There, ha there has to be life for this to exist. Consider. The only things we consider real are those things you can measure in the electromagnetic spectrum. Right. But we know that we live, we know that we die. We know that when we die, there's some spark that's not there anymore. So what we're doing is we're working with that life force energy that is life itself. But that is not measurable on the electromagnetic spectrum. So it becomes immediately dismissed. If your television set 
didn't receive certain channels, does that mean those channels don't exist? No, it just means the television isn't capable of measuring it. Right. Modern science is not capable of measuring these frequencies of energy. But this is the animating current of life that we're working with. So it's automatically there. Double, triple mindfuck, right? I love it. Uh, Thank you so much. Hey, it's yeah. been my joy. This is, uh, I've been a big fan. Yeah, this is quite trippy, to say the least. And yet again, to me again, I, keep in mind, I don't believe in shit. Okay, I don't believe I don't believe in anything and I don't disbelieve in anything. To me it's like there's stuff that I try and you know if for the next 10 times it doesn't work then I go back and say, "Oh shit, look at that. It was working before and now why? Let's try to figure it out." To me it's like it's one case and then there's another case, there's another case and there's another case. But when you start stringing them together and time and time again you start seeing things happen that you didn't expect to happen, you're like Okay, man. Yeah, there's um, you got my attention, and you love it for quite a while. You know that's uh, that's the game, right? Daniele Bolelli, semi-convinced. Well, no, I mean, a possible I'm, baby. No, I'm totally convinced in that. Like so far, everything I've seen has been that on everything. So it's like a hundred percent of. And what you've I've seen been so able far. to do it yourself now too. Yeah, that was also has been tricky because yeah i did try feeling like what the fuck am i doing i don't know what i'm doing i'm just you know it did help i guess in some sense playing with you know doing things like tai chi doing stuff where you are working with yeah. energy a little bit having a sense of what you're supposed to be feeling you know but i played yeah i played it a couple of times both in cases of uh, severe headache and in both cases they were gone in a matter of minutes and so in both cases i was like Okay, this is not the same as, you know, this, the stuff like when you blow my mind with um, the stuff infection thing with one picture and 10 minutes later it looks so different. I'm like, oh shit, okay, that's the headache, you know, could be random luck. Maybe it was going to go away anyway and it was still at a peak and sad, you know, just to play devil's advocate, right? But in both cases, within a matter of minutes, severe headaches were gone. And so I'm like, okay, okay, I like that. I like where, where it's going, you know, I don't... Uh, let's keep using it. Let's keep playing with it. I feel my energy rising right now. I'm ready for a heelathon. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to keep it, you know, slow stretching steps for people to uh, be willing to consider that. Of course, you just went like ten thousand miles away into it with the whole uh, healing at a distance. And in fact, I didn't mention it earlier. You know, when I brought up the cases of. Uh, fairly dramatic cases with both uh, Isabella and Savannah of how quickly and dramatic the change was. I did not mention that you were not working in the same room, that you were not working with physical touch, because that's shit that even for me is like, okay, I don't even want to, how the hell is that even possible? I look at the results and I'm blown away, but I was like, I can't tell it to anybody else because everybody else will say you're fucking crazy. Our you know, bell will believe you. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it's going to be, right? So people want to decide to look through the telescope and check out your stuff uh, just go to quantumtouch.com mm -hmm. and that's where the whole range of books uh yeah. workshops you can you can find at. everything at quantumtouch.com cool sound like a plan anything else you want to throw out there hey your love is more powerful than you can imagine
funky music can only mean one thing, that that's the end of this another fine episode, 91 in the books from Drunken Taoist. Uh, normally we'd have a little chat here, but like I said, Fulelli's off in Italy enjoying his family and uh, having a nice few weeks of summer before he gets back into the States. But he asked me to make sure that I give a shout out to our incredible donors that are kind enough to help keep this wacky show on the air. So let's get to some Richimon edition of Botchering. Let the Botchering begin. So this week we have Lisa Robles, Chris Talent, David Peterson, Kevin Kilbride, Lynn Shirley, Luke Murdoch, and Aaron Burkham. I think those are pretty close. It would be awesome if we could add 150 new names to that list. Go ahead and give it a try. It'll make you feel good. It's summertime. So before we get out of here, got to give a thanks to our friends at Audible.com, as always, our affiliate sponsor, as well as Coracala Chocolate. Um, Daisy House, the fantastic cats that uh, provide us with our awesome theme music. You ought to take some time to get on over to Bandcamp.com. If you go to DaisyHouse.Bandcamp.com, you can check out their new record, Western Man, buy a couple tracks, buy the whole record. Just help those folks out that make our show even better. We always appreciate it. And lastly, uh, if you need a t-shirt, EQU, Surfing Nietzsche, the Dionysian Parade, the Drunken Taoist logo. I, I personally think it might be time for the old orgasm-counting gnome to get a shirt of his own, but who knows? Year 5 shirt will be here before we know it. And that's it. Let's get on out of here. See you next time, guys. <laughs> And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. Maybe I don't want to hear this. No, you don't. <laughs> in questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's so. Let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me you about. Translate for me, please. I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work.